All right, here we are. We're taking a look at page 25. And when you take a look at page 25, the most important thing is to know the value of everything that you're doing. Know the value of initiating authorization, putting people on the same page, planning, planning, and putting everyone on the same page as far as what you're going to do, executing, carrying out the work, monitoring and controlling, checking the work and adjusting to ensure that the work is what you expect, what you want, what you've planned. And closing is either closing out a project or a phase. You've got to remember, it's not always just closing out a big old project. You could be closing out a phase. And when it comes to all these 10 knowledge areas, integrating the project, scoping out the work, scheduling the work, costing out the work, thinking about quality, managing the resources, managing communications, thinking about uncertainty, thinking about procurements, contracts, and things like that, and project stakeholder management, thinking about how you're going to engage the stakeholder. Now, I want you to rapidly go through these with me. I'm going to mention one word, and that one word, or maybe two words in some instances, will define that process. And I'm going to be shading each one blue as we go through it. All right. Authorization, identifying your stakeholders, integrating all smaller planning components, developing a scope management plan, collecting requirements for the project, defining what has to be done to deliver those requirements in the deliverable breaking down the project into smaller, more manageable pieces that you can manage and schedule, planning how to develop the schedule, listing out the activities, putting the activities in logical order of occurrence, estimating how long the activity will take, putting all that together to get a schedule and a schedule baseline, planning how to manage costs, Estimating how much each task will take or how much each work package will take. Rolling up all of those lower level task estimates or work package estimates into a final total amount. Identifying quality standards that need to be adhered to. Planning how to manage all manner of resources, human equipment, materials and supplies. Estimating how many resources you need, what type of resource, highly skilled, less skilled, material, equipment. Planning how to manage communications. Planning how to manage uncertainties that could impact the project positively or negatively. Identifying what could go wrong or what could go right and putting that into a risk register. Doing a quick and dirty analysis on your risks, high, medium, low, in terms of probability or in terms of impact. Understanding in terms of impact, are we talking about scope impact, schedule impact, cost impact? But the bottom line is understanding qualitatively what the risk score is. You get that risk score, and then in this next one, based on the ranking of the risk scores, you could go and analyze the top red ones or the top reds and oranges for the quantitative risk analysis. And what we mean there is the expected monetary value, also known as the risk magnitude, 
So these need a little bit more time to talk about because they're very easy to mix up. One is a qualitative risk analysis, which just looks at a score. The score doesn't convert from project to project. Each project, when you take its risks and you score them, it doesn't necessarily equate to any other project. It's a relative ranking within the confines of that project. Now, quantitative risk analysis makes everything level because that looks at absolutes in dollars and probability in terms of percent. So when you talk about an EMV of $2 million, it's apples to apples. An EMV is probability in percent times impact in dollars. That is a bit of a long one. All right, next. Plan risk responses based on the ranking of those quantified risks and the qualified risks. You can then understand which ones to avoid, transfer, mitigate, accept, or escalate. You also know which ones to enhance, exploit, escalate, share, or accept from the positive realm. This one is planning how to manage procurements. This is where you do a make or buy analysis and decide whether you need to purchase something or not. Plan stakeholder engagement. This is planning how to engage your stakeholders. It's a little bit different from the others. The others, we get a management plan, but very specific to this, we call it an engagement plan. So it's a stakeholder engagement plan. It's a plan for not how you're going to manage your stakeholders, but for how you're going to engage your stakeholders. All right. So there we are. Let's move on to the next domain. So this domain is executing. Very easily put, it's directing and managing the work on the project. The major thing you're going to get out of this is noteworthy. It is deliverables. This is where you're going to get a deliverable. This is where you're going to get a deliverable. That is the main thing you're looking for on the project. So as you know, in the world of project management, there are many different things that happen. And some of those things that happen yield sub-deliverables, but ultimately there's going to be one overarching, perhaps, deliverable that you're looking to glean from the whole thing. It is from this process that you get that deliverable. It's called direct to manage project work. Now, I'm going to put this as a side note because it is so important. Direct to manage project work gives you deliverables. It gives you work performance data. That's the only place you get that data because you're making raw observations about the project. And it also gives you the issue log. These are noteworthy, and I'm mentioning them because on your PMP exam, I would expect them to ask you about issues, risks, key decisions, changes, and things such as that. So I really expect them to uh, hammer down on those terms, which come from direct and managed project work. All right, let's move on. That took a little bit of time. I'm going to resume with a different color. Managed project knowledge is all about gleaning what went well in the project, what didn't go so well, what are we going to do better next time, and sharing that information across the organization. Managed quality is all about ensuring that the quality standards are met. Acquire resources is ensuring 
that you have acquired your resources. Actually, this is where you acquire the resources. So human equipment, materials, supplies, and facilities. From acquire resources, you get your physical resource assignments and your project team assignments. Develop team is developing the project team by training, mentoring, team building, and such. Manage team is where you give your team feedback. So if you want to give your team feedback about what went well, uh, how you see it, and what they may not have done well, and how you see it, this is where you can give them some constructive feedback for improvement. If you are a senior, uh, for example, a manager or, or even a project manager giving feedback to the team, uh, but remember in the world of Agile, it works differently. The way we give feedback is immediate, constant, as much as possible. Uh, where it's not immediate, uh, it's in short iterations. So as a scrum master, the feedback that is generated is usually from the team members. It's not just from the scrum master to the team. It's from the team to the team. Manage communications is where we're actually communicating. Implement risk responses is where we are implementing the response that we decided upon. Conduct procurements is where we are awarding the contract to a seller or sellers. Manage stakeholder engagement is where we're managing our stakeholders' engagement. This is where you're actually engaging with the stakeholder. So if your stakeholder engagement plan said, meet with Phil every Friday at the water cooler to have a conversation, that is the best time to get him and give him the latest and greatest on the project. Well, that's what you will do. In the world of Agile, it works differently. It says business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. So you got some stakeholders you'll be interfacing with almost daily. On the flip side, you also have some stakeholders that you will interface with only at key points in the project, such as uh, sprint reviews. Uh, some you might engage with them outside of the usual daily scrums uh, in smaller pods of meetings, depending on what you're trying to do. Let's move on to the next process group. It's monitoring and controlling. All right, in monitoring and controlling, we monitor and control the project work at a high level. So this is where you are monitoring and controlling the entire project at an integration level. You see this is an integration, it's for a reason. It's the integrative monitoring and controlling. So let me give you a very quick visual of what happens here, just to make sure it all sticks. Now we're almost getting to the home sprint. What happens is all of these processes, I'm going to put a green band around them just so you know which ones I'm talking about. All of these, they all help in the overall monitoring and controlling in that they all give you some intelligence about how the project is proceeding. Let's formalize that intelligence. That intelligence is actually work, performance, information. That work performance information, look at it as intelligence about how the work is proceeding. All right? That's how you need to look at it. How is the work proceeding? That's your work performance information. But to go a step further, it's not just how is your work proceeding. This is what it is. How are we doing in scope? How are we doing in schedule? How are we doing in costs? 
in quality, in resources, in communications, in risk, in procurements, in stakeholder. How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? All of those how are we doing? In other words, taking a look at the work performance data that we have. Now, keep this in mind. You got work performance data that we just talked about. That work performance data, you don't just say, oh, we got work performance data. No, you analyze that data. So we've got this work performance data coming from direct-to-manage project work, and it's going into all of these places. So as you're carrying out the work, you're making raw observations. From those raw observations, you can conclude how the project is being impacted. For example, a raw observation could be, we're getting less done than planned. Okay. So what? Well, we're getting less done than planned. It could lead to schedule elongation. All right. So how bad? Now we're getting more into the work performance information. When you understand the enormity of the work performance data implication, you get this work performance information and that becomes an input back into monitor and control project work. And from here, you're going to get work performance reports as an output. So I'm just going to put work performance reports. This is part of the story nobody cares to know anymore. And it is helpful in knowing how this stuff flows because you can look for areas of inefficiencies in your project management. So the idea about monitoring and controlling, and I'm just going to get rid of all this stuff real quick. The idea about monitoring and controlling is you're collecting all of this information And all the information is going into monitor and control project work so that you can create a report, a work performance report. That's really the entire story of the monitor and control project work process. Again, it's an integrative process that is taking all of this work performance information, putting it into a report and sharing it with stakeholders so that people can understand what's the state of the project, what is going on, are we likely to succeed or not? That's monitor and control project work. It is such a significant process. All right. Now, with that said, let's move on and talk about performing a graded change control. Performing a graded change control is where all the change requests are going to be assessed. So the change request could come from a number of places. By the way, there's no point cramming where the change requests come from. They could come from anywhere. They could come from executing, some even from planning, some from monitoring and controlling. There's no point cramming them. But what you do need to know is that all change requests, all change requests go to one place only as an input. They all go to perform integrated change control. And on the output side, you're either going to get an approved change request. And at the same time, you could get a change log. Now, you don't see this explicitly in the PMBOK guide. They make it look like project documents. But the project document that they're specifically talking about is a change log. So if you put a change request in, you're definitely going to have to put that in the change log. So that becomes an output. The approval of a change request is something else. It may not be approved. In that regard, it's only going into the change log. So that's the dynamic. Now I'm spending a little bit more time talking about things like direct to manage project work, monitor and control project work. 
and performing a greater change control because they are overarching. You really need to be aware of those. Okay. So with that done, let's continue our discussion about the other things here. All right. Moving ahead, we're moving into validate scope. Validate scope is customer acceptance. Control scope is you, the project manager, checking to make sure people are not going out of scope. Control schedule, make sure people are on schedule. Take action if they're not appropriately. Control cost, check that people are on budget. Take action if they're not. Control quality, check the deliverable. So remember I said deliverable comes from direct to manage project work. Well, think about it like there's a loop going from there down here where you will have the deliverables going in. And if the deliverable is fit for use, and you think the customer is going to like it, then on the output, what you're going to get is known as a verified deliverable. Okay, so we have just a plain old deliverable that has not been checked, which is sent to control quality. And then we have a verified deliverable as an output, as a potential output, for example. So always think about the flows. It helps to think about flows Because if you don't know the flow, you don't know where to go. And it's not just a rhyme. It's true. If you don't know the flow, you're in trouble. Because PMI will run circles around you. So you need to understand the logic. When I get a deliverable, it should be reviewed internally. It should also be reviewed by the customer in validate scope. That's the idea. The next one is control resources. Control resources is where we control physical resources We make sure that they were delivered and they were used appropriately. Monitor communications, checks to make sure our communications are actually working for our stakeholders. Monitor risks. This is where we check the risks to make sure they are right where we left them. They haven't changed. Hopefully, if they have, we take appropriate action. We reassess the risks as well. Control procurement is where we ensure the customer is giving us what we bought, what we asked for, what we paid for, what we agreed on. And if not, we take necessary action like alternative dispute resolution and in some cases, litigation. Monitor stakeholder engagement is making sure your stakeholder is truly engaged. And that takes us to the final one. It's closing. This is where you're closing out the paperwork. You're closing out the project. You could be closing out a phase in the project. And it's called closed project or phase. For this one, I want you to make a note to yourself to read in the sixth edition page 123. It's a brilliant coverage of everything that you need to know as far as closing out the project or phase. And that, my friends, is the 49 processes in the PEMBOK guide. To be quite honest with you, this is a very good level for you to become more confident. If you got everything that I said, that's brilliant. Now, I also have the cheat sheet. I've said it so many times, both in our course and online. So I want to show you the fields cheat sheet again. If you haven't downloaded it, you're missing out because when you go into the exam, it's quite important that you know where the PMI is. It's like a game of chess. You're reading the question and you know, ah, I see checkmate coming. Why? Because I know exactly what you're going to play. I can predict it. All right. So in order to get that cheat sheet, Just Google Phil's cheat sheet, PMP, right? You'll find it. But for now, this is it. And I'm going to share the screen again uh, over here. This is it. So all you need to do for this 
is just go through all of these. I would stop the video, um, read along, right? And make sure you have a solid understanding of each one of the 49. As you can see, they're not that hard. They're not that hard. It's ridiculous. I think I spent 15 or 20 minutes going through it. They're not that hard. Okay, so the general idea before you exam, watch this video at least two or three times. Let it play in the background, you know, and then look for my videos where I talk about the outputs of each of these. It's going to make you more solid for the exam, all right? And that concludes our review of page 25, the Manic Review. And for those students of ours uh, who are on the ride right now for the masterclass, highly advise going back, maybe even downloading the video, putting it on your phone, watching it daily. Just chew this thing and get it in. All right. All right, my friends, that's it. Let's stop the recording.